This is Two Nerds in a Joke with Robert and Ernie. Thanks, disembodied hot girl voices. This is Two Nerds in a Joke with Robert and Ernie. I'm Ernie. I'm Robert. And he's Jason. And I'm Jason. <laughs> <laughs> I, didn't know I was waiting for something to come. Up. Yeah, it's Jason. Like, Maybe he'll pick up on a cue or something. <laughs> That's on us. We didn't plan this properly. That's on, that's on us. It's okay. And it's today's a special episode because we usually with Jason have a whole sports thing going. We take a character, we play it to the nines and do a whole sports thing. Today is a little bit different because today is a special day. And that, of course, is the day of the Mando. Um, we have both, all three of us, for change, are caught up on the latest and greatest things, shockingly, and have watched the first two episodes of The Mandalorian. Um, by the time this episode airs, which will be this, which will be Friday, obviously, um, the third episode will have launched, but we'll have the first okay. two under our belt. So if you haven't watched the first two, for all of our listeners, spoiler alert, we're going into the thick of things. Um, obviously last season, we got to kind of give a wrap up of our thoughts and feelings on last season before we can jump into, um, obviously a lot of things going on in that season, but one of the things I know, Jason, you're a huge fan of Westerns. Mm -hmm. So this kind of hit a note with you as that Western theme, even the music, you're just waiting for that clang, clang noise of the, of the, what do they call it, Ernie or Jason, the, the spurs, Uh, you're just waiting to spur clang. And yeah. in the beginning of every episode, right? <laughs> that's all it is. You're waiting for the horse. You're waiting for the spurs. The whole kidding goodle. So from the last season, we'll start there. What were some of the high points for you, Jason, as far as like what you really loved? Sure. Yeah, man. Well, I love I love the um, the fact that it's a little bit of a departure, and it is uh, much more of a western. Uh, Star Wars is always kind of a, a Western where you have Han Solo, you have um, you have the, the white hat, the good guy, you have the black hat, the bad guy. Sure. Uh, so Star Wars is always kind of a Western, but um, Mandalorian takes that a lot uh, further. And it's, it's, a, it's also kind of a samurai story, too. And Westerns and samurai mm. movies are always very similar. Um, if yeah. We, yeah, if we look at movie history, I think first there was uh, like John Ford, the director, and and John Wayne and the Searchers, and then there was those uh, old Western movies, and then Akira Kurosawa. If I'm getting my timeline right, Akira Kurosawa saw those westerns, really liked them. He came up with The Last Samurai. Uh, no, 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 not The Last Samurai. Excuse me, that's Tom Cruise. <laughs> he came up with <laughs> Seven Samurai. It's the modern day version. <laughs> yeah. He came up with Seven Samurai and uh, Rashomon and all these great. A lot more than I do, so. Yeah, it's great. You, you know a lot about that time history, that, that period of time. And that is, you know, you talk about the spaghetti westerns, you can talk about those original samurais, you talk about those little showdown scenes, right? The fight scenes and all those old westerns, the gunslinger shots and the, the fight scenes of the, the, the karate and the overdramatic and then this you see both those elements in that last season. Right. And for people I mean not so well, I'm gonna put this out there on front street as you would say, Ernie, but for people like me I've watched a lot of the side Star Wars stuff. I know you've watched a little bit of it, right? You watched Clone Wars, and did you watch Rebels as well? I don't really lose you, Ernie. 
No, 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 no. I'm still here. Um, <laughs> okay. I've watched, I've watched all that stuff. The, uh, the Clone Wars. I've caught up, went all the way through. That was, that was amazing how they wrapped that one up. Uh, mm-hmm. Then there was the other one, uh, the other Clone Wars with, with Gendy Tartaboski. I hope I'm not butchering mm-hmm. that last name. Uh, Samurai Jack style. Um, right. But uh, what was the other thing? I did watch Rebels, and I'm trying to remember. I thought I finished it up. Could be mistaken. But the one I didn't, I could not get into, and my apologies to anyone who likes this, is the Star Wars Resistance. I just didn't, I just, I tried, and I felt that they really, really were aiming for the TVY7 audience, let's put it that way. A little too, a little too soft, yeah. And yeah. and again with with the first season, and again, Jason, you may not know, but there were a lot of secrets and and mm-hmm. and Easter eggs from both the Rebel show and from Clone Wars, kind of linking back to those concepts. Um, that black sword, which everyone's like, yeah. there's a black lightsaber. What's that? Nobody knew what that was. You know, nobody, unless you watched Rebels and know what that is. And it's basically. And correct me if I'm wrong here, but basically it's the leading – it's like the, the ultimate weapon of the Mandalorians. It's almost a religious weapon, which is a Mandalorian thing. So it's cool to see that, and it's cool to kind of see – it almost goes to that warlord concept they, they kind of came up with in some of the side stories and the legends stuff where the end of the Empire wasn't really the end of the Empire. There are these warlords just kind of hanging out all over the place that have these – you know, they couldn't get rid of – all the ships okay there were a bunch of ships just hanging out all over the place and they were like they went rogue you know they were just like well we're gonna you know be we're gonna bully people we can find you know and that's kind of what you kind of see and it's kind of the theme there and it's kind of um it it definitely fits into a a rogue nation and these warlords are just kind of wandering around they even use that word constantly of warlords and pirates so even though you can kind of see how yeah, the the rebels, the resistance, are they 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 have a direction, but they aren't really in control. And you kind of see that theme continue into the second season as well, the first couple of episodes with a couple of the the X wings coming back. Now, does anybody know? Because I those two X wing pilots, where have we heard of those guys before? Because they 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 named them right. I think they might have. I saw – now it's not like fresh in my memory, but I saw something saying um, maybe one of the actors did a, a voiceover in the cartoons or, or one, or, one or two of the cartoons. And then I know another actor is like a really big fan. Yeah, um, and then I'm not familiar with, with Rebels and Clone Wars and all that. I've checked out a couple episodes, but I haven't really been able to – like do a deep dive on that yet. Yeah, and those are totally – and again, Rebels starts slow, but Rebels, I think, is probably the more relevant to this series in a lot of ways because of what it touches upon, mm-hmm. I feel. Um, so you talk about the end of the first season. You talk about now he has to get this kid back to its people, mm-hmm. and it's like it's like almost like the old movie, The, the, the Rescuers, you know? The Mandalorian's the mouse. He's right. he's going. He's saving the boy. He's bringing him back to his family. Doesn't really understand him. Doesn't really get him. Completely different species. Um, but yeah, I think that's that was a good place to end the first season, and we get to see his face, of course, mm. the first time. But we haven't seen anybody come back yet, right? 
Uh, well, the the Amy Sedaris character uh, did come back, uh, dressed basically as Alan Ripley from Aliens. Uh, so, <laughs> so we have seen her. Yes, yeah. that's true. So so one so far. So let's let's okay. So let's move into this season, episode one. We're coming in. What are our thoughts coming into this? Mm. And you can speak up too, Ernie. Oh, I didn't want to interrupt you. Sorry. <laughs> so, <laughs> so like like uh, like Jason said before, uh, there's a lot of similarities between like the old uh, Japanese uh, mythology. There's there's Shogun tales from feudal Japan, um, and John Ford and and everybody had a big influence on Akira Kurosawa. Akira Kurosawa was a big influence of George Lucas. Uh, Ipso facto, Ron Howard, and also Bryce uh, Dallas Harper, or Dallas Howard, Howard, sorry. Um, she was also uh, one of the directors of one of the episodes last in the season one. If I'm not mistaken, it was the one where um, Mando goes to the planet and uh, helps the, uh, the farmer. Very similar mm-hmm. to, like, the wandering uh, uh, Ronin, right? The... Mm-hmm. the, the the samurai without without the shogun without the master um and he's protecting this child he's like man this child you know i really care about the well-being of this kid it's no longer about the bounty anymore i gotta find a good place and make sure he's safe unfortunately he realizes that no matter where he is there's always going to be someone looking on so at the end of season one we find out that the armor which we never got a name for right we just know that she's the armorer, right Yes, armor. Most of yeah. them just have that kind of role of what they are rather than an actual name. Well, I guess in this particular clan, right? Because we, right. we've now realized that there are different clans of Mandalorians that are uh, all over the place. I think they're called Coverts. Um, Coverts, yep. So that particular Covert that he belonged well, he didn't really belong to that Covert. He kind of like inserted himself into it, right? Sort of. I mean, I think what it ended up being is the beginning he was a part of it and he kind of fit in because he was a Mandalorian and did follow the code. But I think when he kind of broke the process when he left the planet and they started, you know, shooting at him, that kind of he kind of had some issues there because, again, it was all about the process and he broke the rules. Well, he broke the he broke the guild code, right, which Mm -hmm. is about the whole uh, like it's what's it called again? The, it's not it's not called the bounty it's called something else right right well the, whenever, whenever he he like decided to to turn back on his on his obligation right mm-hmm. he's like even though i got paid for this and i accepted payment i'm gonna go against it and, and like save this kid right, right. um he's not gonna then, fulfill his duty yeah right which then prompted the mandalorian covert to basically say well we got to protect our own but he's not really part of their own because he's not really mandalorian He's a foundling, right. yes, and he found- was raised. Well, I think I I think so what happens. Kind of, so, oh no, go ahead, go ahead with your thoughts. Sure. Sorry. I, I think what happens is I the Mandalorians are a group of lots of different species, and it's not really like one uh, like species. It's it's more like like a tribe, like you were saying, and then they take foundlings, like they rescue. Uh, weak and innocent children orphans and then they raise them up in the way of their their tribe or their 
you know, belief system, the, the Mandalorians. And so I think Mando uh, is a Mandalorian because uh, he's, been, he's been raised up in their system, but then he does get separated from them um, at, you know, midway through the season, the first season or so. At least that's that's my understanding. Yeah, I mean, there are well, there were Mandalorian people. Difference between, yeah, there's a big difference between the warriors. Like there was that really big Mandalorian warrior that basically looked down upon him, you know, mm-hmm. and kind of gave him a hard time. And at the end, you saw him with the jetpack, and he was kind of like, "I gotta get me one of those, right?" But <laughs> uh, but then you but then you get to the end of that season, the armor is like, "Look, you gotta you gotta reunite this this thing with the rest of, with its own kind." Mm-hmm. Um, and he belongs to a group of of uh, enemies of of men, ancient enemies. So you're talking about the quote unquote non canonical stuff mm-hmm. when after Return of the Jedi came out, when the like you said the warlords started popping up after the Empire fell. Because really, what happened was in the first Star Wars, um, was it um, oh my gosh, Peter Cushing's character. Moff Tarkin. Moff yeah, Tarkin he... said that he dissolved the Senate, and now everyone is under the control of the Empire. So every like admiral will have like his own like region of space to control. Right. It's... Yeah. So it's really setting it up like you would in a Western, right? Like in like in the old West, you had areas like that. You had a United States of America. You had a president, but then it's like you had all these territories that were basically run by these governors that weren't answering to the president. It was like they were the highest authorities. And they could be crooked, they could be, mm-hmm. you know, on the up and up or what have you. But as you can see, half moff that we ran into with the Darksaber, he looks like he's he wants the child to do something. Like it's his plan. And it looks like it's something about extracting the Midichlorians from him, it looks like. <gasps> Not Midichlorians, you mentioned that yeah. word. And you know what? Favreau <laughs> likes to dabble in all the stuff from the prequels, from the originals, from the sequels, you know, so... The Dark Arts. <laughs> yes. Brought it all out there. <laughs> I was waiting to see Jar Jar make an appearance this season, honestly. And I wouldn't they, put it past him to do that. Didn't they say that... Didn't they say that in one of the episodes... Yeah, they did. They made some snide comment about Gungans. I'm almost positive they did. Yes, they did. I think you remember. I can't put my finger on it. But yeah, there was there was a mention somewhere of them saying you're not. At least you're not a Gungan. <laughs> oh, I think Bill Burr said. He, yes. Yeah, Bill Burr. It was Bill Burr. I was gonna say it was the one where they had the gangsters. Yeah. <laughs> Which is like like you were saying before, Jason. This is so much like a western. Like every episode. <laughs> And then it has that last little bit where you get like the story. Um, so we we have this thing where he's where he goes into episode one, well episode nine, depending on who's keeping count here. We call I think for our sakes, so that way we can keep track of it. Season two, episode one, because everybody online calls it episode like nine and episode ten. They disregard mm-hmm. the seasons. Um, well, to be fair, that's what they label them. Right. Right. So, yeah, because if you look at the titles, it's episode nine, episode, episode ten. Nine, They're literally – seasons oh. are there because people like seasons, but technically yeah. it's one story, and they're doing it in chapters or episodes, whatever. So so now he has to find – and he's thinking, well, the only way I can – this warrior, this, this warrior class of wizards, space wizards, right? 
um, I need to find more Mandalorians. And then he hears the rumor about a Mandalorian being on Tatooine. And I'm like, man, do they always want to play back to like that planet? You know, I'm like, what else could they possibly do to rip off the, and what they did was magical, but I want, I want to get you guys' opinion of how it played out for you guys. And I'll give you guys my impression. Well, that that first episode too, especially the themes of it, right? Because you're you're a big guy on themes, Jason. The theme of that, you know, I'll do something big, and and it was literally almost like classic D and D at that point. You know, <laughs> I'll save your village. Yeah. Yeah. Let me let me yeah let me make uh, some comments about that. So uh, I want to start by going back a little bit to uh, something in season one, because that leads into the first episode uh, or episode nine or, you know, whatever we want to call it. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> but we, we, we kind of briefly mentioned the bounty hunters guild uh, and their, their code. Um, so one of the things that Mandalorian um, or Mando, you know, does really well is, uh, and, and we know he's, He's a really high performer. You know, if he were an athlete, he's mm-hmm. one of the best bounty hunters. Um, he's a very good fighter. He's very calm. We don't see a lot of impulsivity from him. He doesn't. He doesn't feel right. flustered and then make bad decisions. Um, he uh, he's very stealthy. He can tiptoe around a spaceship and then sneak up on Bill Burr like he's Mike Myers or, or something <laughs> like that. He's very stealthy. Um, yeah, and, and part of what helps someone to be a really good high performer is uh, value-driven behavior. Mm. And um, so we, we have a pretty good idea of what uh, Mando's uh, values are because he follows the values of the Mandalorians in total. And we don't know exactly what that is. We know that weapons are a part of his religion. Mm-hmm. We know that he puts a really big emphasis on protecting uh, the weak, protecting the young, saving children or foundlings, taking care of them. Um, so, so he bases his behavior off of those values, and then he just goes full commitment, like really committed action for those values. And right. yeah, and another thing that's really good about the show is they do a good demonstration of the difference between values and rigid rules. So a lot of times people think that they're following a value, but they're really just they've established a rule and they are inflexible and um, and uh, and the rule will go against that value. So in the bounty hunters guild, like that, th- those are the code. The bounty hunters code is much more of a rule set that he has to follow you follow right. at his job, and then not really his his value set. So. When the rule is you don't ask questions, you just take right. it, the uh, the bounty, and then you take the money. You know that goes. Yes, it's his code, but really it's a set of rules, and it goes against his value of protecting uh, the innocent or protecting foundlings. Um, another rule that they point out is uh, no droids. So that's Mando's rule, but then his values. Or what we know they are. So then, sooner or later, he softens on, on that, and he goes, "Okay, this droid with the voice of Taika Waititi is actually a cool person or a droid. He's protecting the child. 
that goes along with my values. So I'm no longer going to uh, be anti-droid. Uh, and then we completely just, anti-droid. He's still a little yeah. anti-droid. Let's not, you know. <laughs> yeah, he's still a little uncomfortable, but he reluctantly right. uh, works with droids. And then we can see that in episode nine because uh, yeah. we see. I think it was episode nine. Um, we, he goes back to Tatooine and Amy Sedaris's droids come out and she's like, ah, I know you hate droids. And then he goes, well, yeah. it's, it's okay. It's, it's, yeah. It's, droids are okay. Love her character, by the way. I mean, yeah. she is freaking awesome. I mean, that's a great character to have in, in this, in this show. Yeah. And she's a recurring character, which is so much fun, but she is just, it's just, just a good time. I mean, just, it's just fun to watch her. Yeah. Well, the other the the other side of that character is that she really hasn't uh, shown us her true intentions yet, right? Like you get little snippets of like how she does business, very disconnected from the people that require her services. Mm -hmm. But for some reason, like the child, like kind of like like broke down a couple barriers, and she became more pleasant, as you can tell. And she almost became like a, almost like a big sister to Mando in, in a way, kind of like, hey, I'm looking out for you, you know, watch out here, watch out there. I mean, Mando walks into the cantina, which I thought, oh my gosh, they're bringing the cantina back, you know, so I was geeking out over that. And she's playing, uh, looks like Sabat with, uh, with a huge ant, right? Like a huge termite ant or something. And um, like she, like, you don't know if she's like, protected there or she's a gangster or maybe she's like a lieutenant with the huts or something because i'd be surprised if you stay in canon with that like the huts still control tantooine right mm -hmm. so why she's not like you know a, in a constant state of fear is beyond me and she's able to do her business so i'm thinking maybe she's connected to the huts in a way and maybe that's what makes her a little bit more of an interesting character to think about but uh, the way she set up Mando in that first one, giving him the the info to seek out, uh, you know, Timothy Oliphant, who, mind you, excellent choice for yeah. that particular <laughs> character. Awesome. That was excellent. I was like, oh my gosh! And um, my first uh, reaction when that when he said, oh, you're talking about the marshal. Why don't you ask him yourself? And he's standing there. I swore the first words out of my mouth were, it's Boba Fett. <laughs> oh, if that's the marshal. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> I yeah. felt like that girl who like was uh that more that 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 clip of that uh I don't know, it came out a few years back when Rogue One came out and it was some uh some girl from that she's that she's a devout Mormon and part of that religion is that you have to be like a missionary for like a year or two years in another country, right? And she came back and she missed like Rogue One and the Force Awakens, and they were videoing her, like, watching Rogue One, and she's in tears, and she's blubbering, and she's screaming at the end, and that's how I felt at that moment with Boba Fett. I was grabbing my pillow, I was like, it's Boba Fett! Ah! Ah! <laughs> go on, you guys go, because I know I'm, I'm, I, I want to get you guys' reaction to that part of it. He's, he's, he's a fangirling over there. Um... But I like I like her character, and it's a good point, Ernie, with with the gangster thing because if she's repairing ships, right? Because mm -hmm. that's what she's doing. She's got to. And technically speaking, Jabba's dead, and he was the hut on 
he was choked to death and his ship blew up. He you've got to understand. He's, he's there could be other huts. for a reason. There's yeah. I mean, there were I mean, there were novelizations after Return of the Jedi that that was just I mean, think about it. Princess Leia is what a buck fifteen in that movie, right? <laughs> and Jabba's what three, maybe four tons, right, mm-hmm. of mass. Do you really think she was strong enough to get that chain just perfect to cut off his to restrict his air? That was just my thing in that in that moment. I was like, he's faking it. That's what I thought as a kid, mind you. He's faking it. He's probably planning his escape, right? Because you think uh, uh, someone that villainous and who has uh, evaded probably numerous assassination attempts at this point, and for Christ's sake, he's a huge slug, right? <laughs> he has to be like say. forward thinking on these things, right? Why would he leave himself with no out, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's just my opinion, but go on. But, uh, Jabba the Hutt's dead, right? In theory, but there's still probably a hut. So she's probably protected by whatever hut it is. But if the government is weakened and the hut is weakened in power, in theory, it might lead to her having kind of a – everybody finds her useful status more than a protected. Like it's that guy who in the repair shop for any mobster. They're not going to kill the guy who fixes the car. You guys aren't going to go do that. You're not going to get your hands greasy. You need that guy. You know, he's going to keep his mouth shut. He's going to keep things running. You know, that's my Well, unless, unless the mechanic is asking questions around town. Sure. Well, I'm saying, yeah. Don't go blabbing and you'll be right. fine. Yeah. And I think we're also led to believe what did. that everybody in that city, Maz Eisley or whatever it's called, they're all they all have dirty hands. They're oh, all yeah. like they're all mixed in with something, mm-hmm. uh, whether it's just smuggling or gambling or or uh, assassinations. Everybody's in the middle of something. Scum and villainy. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Absolutely. A hive of scum and villainy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, that's kind of the the good place of it being a connection portal, right? Everybody kind of knows something if you have the right price or whatever it is. So I think that's valuable too. Now, it's kind of interesting to me to see where that leads to. So we have to kind of go into that concept of, okay, so she's a connection point. Now what is he going to do? He's going to start looking for, for this character, this Mandalorian, which, again, you know, gets it's earning all girly. Um, in that classic story of, you know, the guy I'm looking for and the sheriff coming in and, and that whole part, I mean, that's – classical right i mean that's that's so much what it's all about and of course you know the freak and i don't know how many people because you guys know westerns but i we were watching it me and my wife were watching it and we were pretty grossed out by uh uh little baby yoda there sitting in the spittoon <laughs> i love that part i love that that was so like john Favreau, right you can tell that had john Favreau's hands you can be like well, while all this dialogue is going on, what's little? What's the child doing, right? He'll be looking at a spittoon or something. Wouldn't that be hilarious? And he's like, you know, he's kind of looking at it. He kind of smells it. And then, you know, he, you're like, please don't hop into it. Please don't hop into it, right? Because it's just disgusting. Like, that's why I believe we should not have a time machine. Because if you go back in time, People were gross back then, man. I mean, it would open you up to a whole new world of smells and just disgustingness, right? 
I mean, my daughter gets grossed out with the fact that I explained to her what a payphone was and how we all would just like lift up the receiver, put it to our ear. And she's like, how you mean you wouldn't clean it off before you use it? I'm like, well, I mean, we would take a look at it, wipe it off on a <laughs> shirt or something. And she goes, oh, that's disgusting. Oh, how did you guys ever make it through that? You know, it's, but it's kind of like the same thing, right? Like you said, it's the Western thing. Like that to me looked like classic, like, if you were to look at a John Ford, Clint Eastwood, I mean, heck, even if you go to Unforgiven, right, with Clint Eastwood and Gene Hackman, right, that's, you know, the the bad guy rolls into town, and he comes across the local marshal who knows him, right? He's like, I know who you are. I know what your kind is like. I know you're a gunman, and you're here, and I'm about to protect my town from you, right? And you can tell he the marshal's pretty fearless, mm-hmm. and... And I promise you, I up until the point where he took off the helmet, that's what I thought. And then I was like, oh, it's not Boba. <laughs> but I mean, Timothy Oliphant was was Steph Brink. Yeah, isn't which so? I met. Oh, breaking news, gentlemen! Alex Trebek just died. Ooh. Ouch! I just got handed a note. Alex Trebek just died. Jeez. Oh. Poor guy. Moment of silence. My favorite show. Yeah. Uh, I think everybody's. Yeah. yeah. The must. But yeah, but yeah. but like uh like uh going back to this uh, happier moment, anyways. Um, when you see that showdown, like Jason, what did you feel? Did you feel like all right, there there it's it's starting. Like this is where it's all gonna happen, right? Like Mando and this guy is gonna do the quick draw. Yeah, yeah, we I was, saw it in we saw it in episode uh, four of Star Wars. You know, Han Solo and Greedo, kind of that Western right. feel. Right. Yeah, and I would say I was I was on the edge of my seat. Um, I'm just to start with. I recognized Boba Fett's armor right away. I was like, Oh my god! Are they show Are they doing the big reveal like this early? Like. Whoa, that's crazy. <laughs> but uh, I recognize the armor, and then we got the 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 next reveal that it's Timothy Oliphant, and I was like, oh, Deadwood, yes, awesome. <laughs> so, so I was fired up about that. And then because it was Timothy Oliphant, I knew he wasn't going to die just like that. So I was like, what's what's going to happen? What's going to happen? Um, and I, I think it was great. I and and this is another really good um, demonstration of values versus rules. So if you look at the marshal, what he's trying to do, like the spirit of what he's trying to do, is protect the community, keep them safe, make sure that they have security, they have food. There's no um, danger from big sand monsters or from the you know the tribe of sand people nearby um, so that's what he's trying to do and then and then mando he's trying to his real goal is to connect the child to the child's people baby yoda to his tribe of enemy space wizards um <laughs> and and then his secondary value is you know, protecting the culture of Mandalorians. And then to do that, when there's armor out there that someone else is using, we need to bring it back to our people. We need to uphold, you know, our values and protect our community, blah, blah, blah. And then if he would have said, hand it over right now or I kill you, that's a rigid rule. And then if um, 
if uh, Timothy Oliphant or Cobb Cobb Vance or he, he has some kind of strange space name. Yeah, <laughs> Cobb Vance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Cobb Vance, Vance Refrigeration. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, if he would have said, no, 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 I'm in charge, I'm the marshal, I keep people safe, then that's a rigid rule. But they both kind of came together and said, hey, this is what I want, I want to protect the community, what you want is this armor that belongs to your people, how about we work together, and then you just walk away with the armor. And they both basically shook hands and agreed. So that I think that's a really good value, or excuse me, a really good demonstration of the difference between values and then rigidly following a set of rules yeah and it's a it's a great piece to to kind of go from there because it leads in so many possibilities you don't know what's going to happen at the point now what i really liked at that moment right and this goes back to your, your boba fett thing ernie mm -hmm. was what kills a sarlacc from a sarlacc pit <laughs> <laughs> right. yeah. well, well before we move on from this right before we move on to that part right when 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 uh, the genius of that whole scene right you have a lot of like what we were talking about before about the whole influence of like the Japanese uh, samurai and shogun, right? Like to them in those feudal era, mm -hmm. like you pass down your armor and your weapon in your family lineage, right? Right. So like Mando's looking at that and I'm sure he's furious when he finds out that he's not a Mandalorian and he's wearing this armor. He's like, where'd you get this armor? And basically uh, I thought he said Cad Bane, which almost freaked me out and and Jason, if anything, you got to watch the Clone Wars to find Cad Bane because he is um, he is the guy from the good and the bad and the ugly with the wide brim hat. Oh, cool! Yeah. No, he is All a right. very cool bounty hunter. And, and Boba Fett, to my understanding, was based on Clint Eastwood's character for that series, the man with no name. You mm -hmm. know, he always was very deliberate with his actions, very much in the shadows. He didn't move, but when he did move, it was lightning quick, right? Like, he always had the blaster out, like, almost mm -hmm. instantly. That's why I knew, like, if that's Boba Fett, Mando has no chance, because Boba Fett was lightning quick in every one of those scenarios. And and I knew it was his armor, because I saw the dented helmet. Mm -hmm. I saw the 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 braids, which were Wookiee braids. Those are dead Wookiees. Um, nice. And also, like, the, like the, uh, the Mythosaur skull. And and I saw like the readout, so I'm like, that's Boba Fett's armor. And we sat down, and I know that incensed Mando because he's like, you take that, you either give me that armor or I'm taking it off your dead body. It kind of harkens back to like that Shogun mentality of, I know whose armor that is. That's not right. your armor. You don't deserve to be wearing it, right? And you can kind of tell like Mando's voice changed, and that's when you saw the child kind of like, uh oh. You know, this is this is serious, right? And that's what he says. You sure you want to do this for the kid? He goes, he's seen worse, right? <laughs> so you know, Mando's like, he's locked and ready, right? But when he takes off the helmet, anybody says, where'd you get that armor? And without missing a beat, how flippant, right? He mm -hmm. says, I just went off some Jawas. So mm -hmm. it kind of like you kept a, you keep expecting him to have like this back scene, this whole backstory, and he's like, eh. You know, I just bought off some Jawas. I just thought it was cool. You know, but to Mando, that armor right. is like, like you said, like it's it's his religion. That's like sacrilege, which I think was a great way of, of storytelling to tie in all those mythologies from feudal Japan and everything else. Not so much the, the Western, because in the Western, I think people back then really didn't hold much value to certain items. Maybe a rifle, you know what I mean? But like, uh, I way. would think it would, yeah, not the same way. 
Right. Yeah. Yeah, and it's it's a cool thing to see because at that point in time, it ties in so much story across so many generations, and it's interesting because the whole Space Wizards part harkens back to the Legends or Legacy, I think, <laughs> era of Star Wars way before even even you know the original Star Wars, even even Episode One, even before then. Um, you know, in Rebels, it talks about it too a lot with Mandalorians and the the Great War and how that happened. They don't really talk about the timeline much there. There are other sources that talk about it, but where the planet got split in half and all this stuff and the Jedi and Rebels shows cases a lot of that. Uh, space wizard Mandalorian didn't really get along that great, and it probably just got worse over time. You know, and and that kind of harkens to that brings in so many cool things for them to open up and go back to so now we're ready to go into the next part right we're ready we have a goal now here's what we're going to do to go back to your point jason (laughs) (laughs) yeah so then they they work together uh one of mando's strengths really appears to be diplomacy you wouldn't think so because he wears armor, you never see his face. His job is to beat people up and then just drag them somewhere. And <laughs> he doesn't use a lot of diplomacy there. He, he just beats them up and then takes them. But when he comes across obstacle, other obstacles outside of uh, uh, you know, bounty hunting or involved with bounty hunting other than just grabbing these people, there we find that he is very open to working at a deal – He's very level-headed. He can go from uh, fighting for his life, like with uh, Gina Carano, or in, in a funny way against the Jawas, because he was he probably took out like a, a dozen of them oh, and yeah. was almost dying himself. And then he can just go, you know what? How about I help you out with something? And then you just <laughs> give what I want. You know, so, but he's really, really – he could be a diplomat. He's really good at – saying, okay, we're enemies right now, we're going to fight, and then you know what, let's just keep it calm, let's do something else, let's talk about it, let's work things out. And that is something that we've seen from season one all the way to, uh, well, with, with uh, Timothy Oliphant, and then also in the, in the next episode where um, he really he doesn't want to be hassled but and uh, and help help a lady a uh, frog lady move her eggs but he sees the importance he does think he does have that background of helping children helping people who can't defend themselves and then he re- he's the reluctant hero he reluctantly says okay i will put myself in danger and not go to you know warp speed or light speed or whatever it is hyperspeed and we'll slowly get you there to protect your eggs, to protect your line, so you and your husband can have everything that you've been working for. And I'm putting myself in danger. I'm putting my ship, my livelihood, uh, Baby Yoda. We're putting it all in danger for this higher value. And then you're you're going to help me too. You're going to help me find a, a different Mandalorian. So it's 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 that uh, diplomacy. It's the values, and also just. Uh, being very calm and he doesn't seem to have any fear of death. He just keeps putting himself in harm's way over and over again. Um, So it's a strength. And then someone could also criticize that and say, Hey, maybe take a few less risks. Maybe, you know, uh, maybe play it a little bit safer. So it's that, that double edged sword right there. Yeah. 
You know, and it's something interesting on that point too, because I was looking at that 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 episode ten basically, and there's a scene there when everything's gone to heck and high water, and it's, it's he's it, the ship is basically destroyed, everything's ruined, all of his stuff's all over the place, and he has that moment where you almost feel like he just gave up. He's like, look, we're I'm going to go to sleep, I'm done, you know, everything's gone south, and I, and it in in the Frog Lady, being a genius, obviously of some sort, uh, was able to get the the communicator said, "You need to follow your rules. You need to get back to what you're supposed to do. You're a Mandalorian, for goodness' sake, you know." And it was really kind of weird. It was like the first time in in any of the episodes that I've really seen the Mandalorian have a crisis of of mm-hmm. ego of confidence in himself. Right. And it was kind of weird to kind of see that moment there that you really hadn't seen before in anything else. So I thought that was kind of an interesting transition and. Reminder that he's just a guy, right. you know. For all his awesome, he's just a guy, and even the coolest guy, the most bravest guy, at some point is just gonna say, "I'm kind of done." Right. Well, well, what I noticed, um, and this is what I thought season one. I mean, we didn't get to the crate dragon yet, which I thought was a great right. um, pull from Monster like, of the Week. The very first, <laughs> yeah. yeah, very first Star Wars when C-3PO separates himself from Arch. You see him walking, and you see on the dune this like this long row of stones. And right. You realize, oh, those aren't stones. That's the vertebrae of some long, right. <clears throat> right? Whether that's the same one or not, we're not sure, right? Mm-hmm. But um, but well, what I noticed is that a lot of near misses and a lot of setups. So in one of the, in, when they team up and they decide that they're going to take this thing on, they're going to join this village. With a with a known enemy, which is very similar to the westerns, when you would have these frontier towns, and the group of local indigenous people, Indians, like start that they've had long running feuds with one another, somehow joins forces against a common enemy, um, and so they join forces against this common enemy, and you realize, well, it's just a really big worm with sharp teeth, right? How dangerous could it be? Until it started spitting acid, right? They, they started <laughs> melting people. Then you're like, okay, this is a new thing. And how selfless Mando was, mm. he kind of like set up his friend to like get away. And he realized that, you know, this guy really is honest at heart, right? Mm-hmm. It's not about the armor anymore. It's about the person underneath the armor, right? And he's an honorable person and he was willing to die for his town people, right? The armor was just a way for him to help protect it. He wasn't doing it to be disrespectful or anything. However, um, what I noticed is that the battle damage on the rocket was was repaired from before, and I think Mando noticed that, and that's why he hid it in that same spot. It's the spot where Han Solo hit Boba Fett in Return of the Jedi. That's what where I. We went all crazy. Yeah. Yeah. So you can see it was repaired there. The rocket was, and he, and I guess Mando knew if I hit it there, it would set it off, right? right. And he'd be in an uncontrolled flight. However, um, when he went into the crate dragon, and you saw that he blew it from the uh, inside out, that the that the acid ran off of the steel, off of the armor, which kind of set up of the whole premise. I've always believed this, mm-hmm. that when he when Boba Fett fell into the Sarlacc pit that the acid that was in there wasn't going to eat him because of the armor. Mm-hmm. And he climbed his way out. Right. Um, and that's when you saw the end of that episode. And it kind of it kind of made me feel sad because it's like, yes, there was a Mandalorian there. You just missed him, right? 
So mm-hmm. it's kind of like one of those Western things or like if you go back to those old Shogun movies where like the wandering Ronin, you know, is trying to find the rest of his brother samurai and he keeps missing them, right? Okay. And it's kind of like, oh man, if he had just like stayed a little while longer. But mm-hmm. I could tell like Mando's heart's really heavy at the end of that episode because he's like, yeah, people think it's Mandalorian because the armor. The armor doesn't make him a Mandalorian, right? So you go into episode two and you kind of see he's like, I'm defeated. Like, I have no idea what to do. Yeah. In the last season, he found out that entire culvert got wasted. And the armor has all those helmets just in a big pile. And he's yeah. like, am I the cause of all this? Did I just kill a whole bunch of my own people for yeah. my own personal gain? And I know it's feeling real heavy on that episode. And like you said, he's kind of like, I really don't want to put myself at risk again. Right. Mm-hmm. I just want to get this kid like to his people. But when, she, when the frog lady, I don't think we ever got a name for her either, which is unfortunate. Um, you know, she's carrying around the unfertilized eggs, which a lot of people, I had to remind a lot of people online that, you know, the child wasn't eating fertilized eggs. Were, it's it was still like, gross. I don't care. It's He's, like eating chicken eggs. It's like it's, when you go no, into the no, fridge you, and get some chicken eggs. No, it's the same it's, thing. It's no, what he's doing is he's eating caviar. That's what he's doing. <laughs> it's, it's caviar. It's fish eggs. It's roe. Okay, All that's right, what I'll he's eating. I'll give you that. I'll give you that. I'll that's give you gross. that. Point to you. I, I don't mind caviar. I would never go out of my way for caviar. I don't mind it, right? But yeah. um, but yeah, but like you could tell like the progression of Mando from the first season. Like whoever's doing the writing of this did a wonderful job. You can kind of see like the old stuff being chipped away. And a lot more of, like, the person under the armor, right? You know, so uh, going into this one, I thought, like you said, like, at that point, he had given up. He was just like, oh, screw it. You know what? Sweet, cold death, I embrace you now. And that's when Frog Lady kind of, like, hooks up to the, what was he? uh, I forgot his name. Zero was his name. Mm -hmm. He hooks up, she hooks up Zero and uh, manages to do the translator. And Zero basically translates, like, everything that she's saying. Like like you said, um, hey, I thought, you know, the legends of the Mandalorians uh, are said that you are fearless and, you know, you're ferocious, tenacious. You don't ever give up. Have you forgotten your code? Right. And and you can kind of see, like, his helmet kind of – I just give up. Yeah. It's kind of it, one of the things I always am always fascinated by. It's like the off screen moments in between. Like, mm-hmm. okay, when's the last time this guy ate? Right. Got to take his helmet off to eat. When is he doing that? Does he sleep in full armor, even though it's just the kid there and the kid's already seen his face? How dedicated it is? Like, that's what I'm always concerned, curious about with, the, with that. With that. Whoa, 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 whoa. Did the child see his face? Or was it just IG-11 that saw his face? No, 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 because when he was injured in that battle scene, they took his helmet off to help heal him. Yeah, it wasn't the kid that saw him. Who saw him? That was the, that droid. Just the droid. That was it, right? Yes. Boom. Yeah, because it was the law. Right. But in, in the episode with um, – in, in the planet with Gina Carano, they do right. show him take it off. And then he's like looking and watching people play. I don't know what the exact rule is. I think it might be you can take it off 
around your tribe, but you can't take it off without. I'm assuming because right. for, for him to get new armor and, and a new helmet, he has to take it off, and then the person has to give it to him. Um, yeah. So, yeah. yeah. I, it's, it's one of those things. It's just kind of curious, right? Yeah. But it's, I, like, I, it's, like in, it's like in video games. When do the characters go to the bathroom? You never see that happen. Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, Mario jumps into a big pipe, so it might be like, like during that sense because the pipes are all connected anyway. So. Well, I'm, I'm thinking about it like even like Assassin's Creed. I mean, you're wandering around for a long time. You never sit down and eat and drink and go to the bathroom ever. I mean, you sleep with people, but you can't. You never see. You know, it's like I'm getting hungry. Let's go get some food. I mean, you never see that. <laughs> you know, this reminds me so much. You remind me so much, Robert, of this conversation I had with this. Uh, this pilot, um, when I was in high school, he used to he flew the SR-71, which was a, a spy plane that flew at great altitudes. Um, these these guys were dressed as they had to wear pressure suits and everything else. And when he would go out and he would give like uh, talks about like what it was like, you know, flying, you know, five times faster than the speed of sound, flying so high you could see the curvature of the Earth. You know, and um, all these other things, like he, he, all these other conferences that he could talk about. And the first question when he opened up Q and A is, "When do you? How do you go to the bathroom?" He always found that amazing. That's where right. everyone's mind goes, yeah. right? Yeah. So, so like you said, he does take the helmet off to eat because in that episode, uh, he does explain. She asked him, "Can mm -hmm. you ever take your helmet off?" And he says, "If I take it off, I can never put it back on again." And he says, I could take it off to eat. I could take it off to sleep as long as no one else sees me. And then he puts it back on, right? Yeah. But she never sees him with the helmet off. I think IG-11 was the only thing that saw him without his helmet because when he picked him up and kind of like helped him walk along after he took after he got wounded, he put the helmet back on him. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. It's just one of those curiosities, right? Right. Yeah. I, yeah. Th I, I personally think that the... I don't know. I guess I guess it's kind of like that whole thing of back to that, you know, that armor thing, right? Like you, you don't take it off unless like you're dead, you know, that type of thing. Um, and that's what the armorer did, as you can tell. Like you saw all those helmets. There had to have been at least twenty helmets there, right? Mm -hmm. Of fallen Mandos that she was just going to boil down back into, you know, bars of Beskar to use for other things, right? Mm -hmm. So, um, but the other. The, the other part of the for me that were frightening was that freaking creature because I have a huge fear of spiders. Uh, I'm way too close to being a spider, right? Yeah. And as we know, because for whatever reason, the child thinks with his stomach, right? <laughs> Gotta love that. He's, yeah, like, he was you there feed the kid, right? The yeah, feed him. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's getting fed, I'm sure, but he's like slurping up these things and like he's like, no, 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 no more. And he kind of like dares him and he like pulls up his hand. He's only when he goes like, like just to do that, just to upset him. Right. It's such a kid move to do. Right. Like put that down, put that down. And you see him like, aha, you know, I got another one on you. <laughs> yeah. I wonder. So that, that part to me was great. But then yeah. like when he was digging around in the, like you said, going back to aliens, like the, like the uh, egg room, in mm -hmm. aliens, right? And I'm like, oh, those are pods. Those things are gonna curl yeah. open, and those right. little face huggers are gonna come out, right? 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, maybe Yoda decides, I'm going to just skip that part. I'm going to tear it open. I'm going to stick my hand into the green goop, pull it out, and just, like, rip into one, right? Whatever's <laughs> at the bottom of that. <laughs> so gross. I know. <laughs> gross. I want to comment on the, the egg eating. So, so one of the things that it does, that Mandalorian does really well, is instead of having just completely uh, white hat and black hat characters where someone's completely good and someone's completely bad, they take someone like like Baby Yoda, just adorable, you love him. Even even if you um, aren't really like a kid person, you still like, oh, wow, look, look at that. I like that. You know? <laughs> That's cool. That's cool. Uh, and then they take that character that you, that you love, you want to make sure he's safe, all that stuff, and then you have him do these terrible things. <laughs> so... so uh, it's uh, yes, it's unfertilized, but we just heard a story about how hard this lady has worked, how she's she's trying to make a life for herself. This is the end of her line. She needs to get these eggs across space to a different planet so her husband can fertilize them, or else it's the end of their line. <laughs> and, then, and then after that, you hear cute music, and you see Baby Yoda. Whoa, wow, cool. Whoa, what is that? Bloop! That is the counter. That is the countenance of Grey right there. It's like, <laughs> yeah. what, what, what side are you on, dude? It's food. I don't, there's no well, side. Well, remember, it's before food. that scene, before the boop, He's like looking at the glass, like, and he has that look on his face. And when he puts his hand on the glass, they, all the eggs seem to flow to it. I'm like, yeah. oh my gosh, he's gonna do some force junk on it, yeah. and like, they're gonna grow into tadpoles or something, right? Mm-hmm. No, nah, the kid was just like, oh my gosh, look at all this good food, right? That's what it, that's what it turned into. I can eat all of this and be full. Like, this is magical, right? So that that was the part to me that kind of turned me. Kind of like switched it. I was like, oh my god, John Favreau has a twisted sense of humor on this one. So twisted. Because, like, he had me. He had me because, like, the kid was like pressed up against the glass and all the things start floating to it. Right. Right. And, but and, also, the, the Shades of Grey part or, is interesting because, like, when Mando and Cara Dude were arm wrestling to, you know, spend, you know, you know, blow some time. While they were waiting to get to where they were, um, they started arm wrestling in Mando, and Baby Yoda did the force choke on her, and she and he was ready to end her right there, and he had to like he was like, oh my gosh, no, you know, and Baby Yoda had that look on his face, right, like he's like, yeah, yeah, I'm gonna get you now, you done, yeah, yeah, these hands are rated E for everyone, that's what he did. <laughs> Well, and that goes to the point of of, of kind of what we we kind of learned over time with the force itself. It's just a thing. It's how the user uses it that determines whether they're good or evil. The force itself isn't good or evil. It's just a tool. And Yoda is just at that stage, or Baby Yoda, sorry, not really Yoda, but Baby Yoda is at that stage where it's I'm going to use it for whatever I can to do whatever I want. He's, which is going to be interesting to see what they end up doing with him as far as the you know finding Jedi. Because in theory, all the Jedi are dead, obviously, except for a few Whoa. that we know are out there. Yeah, except we for a few we know. One. We know there's the one, one out there. Um, do but I back say here's, the name? Do I say the name? 
Well, it's not really a spoiler. Okay, it is a spoiler for anybody who hasn't watched Rebels. We'll put it that way. If you or watched Rebels, clone, or the Clone Wars, or the Clone Wars, true. So, I mean, a lot of you may know the name too, Jason. But yeah, go ahead and say it, and, and we can just let people know that we know. All awesome right, things. I'll get, I'll get, I'll get really close, right? I'll get really close here. Hold on, okay. hold on, uh, hold on, yeah. hold on, hold on. Oh, so which sounds kind of Japanese when you think about it. So once again, that little twist to like the old old stories, right? Ahsoka yes. Tano, man, she is yeah. planned in this in the season, and Rosario Dawson's playing her. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Have all the monies here. Have all the money. Have all the toys. <laughs> all the money. Everything mm-hmm. done. Yeah, and it's gonna be a lot of fun to see her come in, and she hasn't come in yet, but we know she's coming. We know she's gonna be. Th- I'm expecting her to be the Jedi he finds, right? Because she's pretty much all that's left. And it's fascinating to me how they like you know she's there in the background. I mean, we never hear in any of the movies that um, uh, that uh, Anakin has a, a pad one ever. It's never mentioned. But they weave it in such a way that why would he? They're no longer friends. He's turned to the dark well, side. She's abandoned him. Remember, the, the, yeah, I mean, because because Anakin Skywalker was a Jedi master. You can only be a master if you have an apprentice, right? Right, which they never so, explained because they never, they never brought explained. her up. But then they bring yeah. her up, and you're like, ah, which is a great thing that the show the show does too is they really bring the ending. Without right there, you have no idea how he got there. He's there for two seconds, seen, and you're like, how the heck did he get there? Okay, we know he's arrived. He's alive. Now what? You're never gonna show him again. Is that all we get? One silhouette and you're done. Well, that silhouette was very telling because if you notice what was on his back, he had a bantha stick, right? Mm-hmm. So he must he must have a relationship Wait. with the Tusken Raiders, right? Right. And then he also had a long rifle, which means that they probably took him in. And the Jawas never really explained how they got that armor to, mm-hmm. um, what's his name? Gosh, I can't believe Cad. No, not Cad. I forgot his name. Timothy's character's name. I'm sorry. He's such a good character. I really should not commit his name to memory. You uh, should because do that. He gave, Work on that. He gave, he gave so much to the season. In his dialogue and his actions, that you kind of could tell where where the season's going to go, because I don't think it's going to be the last we see of him. Mm-hmm. And just seeing in the uh, the silhouette, you can kind of tell that maybe Boba walked away from bounty hunting altogether, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so maybe he had a change of heart as well, because Boba Fett was the most dangerous uh, bounty hunter in the galaxy, and that was said in the movies. So that's canon right there. Um, and for Darth Vader to give him specific instructions, no disintegrations, it led to the theory of, did he disintegrate like Luke's aunt and uncle back on Tatooine? You know, that was the whole thing. So mm-hmm. that for him, for him to make his appearance in this show and to see Mando just barely miss him, right? Like, like it's like those old Western shows where it's like 
as the guy is leaving, he goes by like this uh, rusted old cabin on the hill, and the and you see the the cabin door open, and it's the guy he was looking for, right? Okay. So you know, it's yeah. kind of like one of those things where you kind of see how the season's going, and then you see him hit rock bottom with those spider things, right? Mm-hmm. Um, like that was an impossible thing. Had the X-wing pilots not taken into account of his uh, mm-hmm. good deeds. Right, yeah. that would have ended much more different, much more different. Right, and then and that also goes back to values versus rules again with the the X-wing fighters. Um, and, th- and then one thing that I wanted to to touch on real quick, my understanding is that Boba Fett wasn't actually a Mandalorian; he just wore Mandalorian armor. So my expectation is that when uh, Mando finally meets him. Uh, he's. It's not going to be w- the way that he was hoping it would happen. It's probably going to be hostile. There's, mm-hmm. you know, it's going to turn out that Boba's not going to help him. He's going to be a villain. And if my understanding is right, then, you know, I, I'm not sure exactly what the implications are as far as Boba not really being a Mandalorian. But so, so we'll see how that how that plays out. Yeah, because it's an interesting fact because they talk about that in, gosh, like episode one, two, or three, like the, one of the first three episodes. It's like you can be from Mandaloria, so the planet Mandalorian is a real place, yeah. but to be the Mandalorian religion versus being a Mandalorian mm-hmm. race are two very different things. And I believe that you're, you're right in that Boba Fett may have been a Mandalorian, but he's not. A religious Mandalorian, if you will, more of a pure bounty hunter. Again, because we know this from his backstory, and you know they tie in Episode One all over the place. You know, where he's the kid of a, he's basically a clone. So he's a clone of his father. Well, no, sorry, he's the son of his father. Um, he's not a clone, but you know that he's part of this whole clone whoa, whoa, army. Whoa, 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 whoa. I have to correct you. I have to correct yes. you on that one. Okay, fine. In go episode, ahead. Episode in Episode Two, Attack of the Clones. Uh, which I, I, everyone arguably agrees that's the weakest of all the <laughs> Star Wars movies. Um, however, if you watch it and you pick out the, the other, some of the things, one of the things they talk about is the introduction of Jango Fett and this clone army, right? So Jango Fett was a bounty hunter, and he was uh, his services were paid for by a Jedi named Sifo-Dyas. Mm-hmm. Dias had long passed away, but somehow convinced this this planet of uh, of people of this race of aliens that clone life to use him as um, basically like Patient Zero to create an entire clone army. Mm-hmm. And his only request for payment was an unalt an unaltered clone that he could raise as his son. Mm-hmm. Now you never heard if Django was. Mandalorian or whatever, they only said he was a bounty hunter. Okay. Right? And he wore he wore the Mandalorian armor, so it was safe to assume. But however, he was always taking his helmet off. He walked <laughs> around that most of that movie without a helmet. It wasn't until he got into a fight with Obi-Wan that he put the helmet on. And then he met his end. Well, but yeah, I mean, yeah, Mace Windu right, and then, that's, that's... and then you saw Boba like kind of kissing the helmet, 
And that's when people started putting two and two together. It's like, wait a minute. Nova took his dad's armor and painted it green because everyone associated Django, which at the time was like the greatest bounty hunter in the galaxy. He repainted it green in, and uh, all yellow and red and all these other colors as opposed to the original silver and blue. Yeah. Well, you can assume at that point that his son, clone son, wasn't raised in the Mandalorian way at all. Like, no religion, none of that piece of it. So that definitely is part of it that you got to consider there as a piece, well, as a piece of the – yeah. That's, that's what I was thinking also, that, you know, there's always been these uh, these subreddits that I come across about, like, some of the stuff. Uh, there were some books that were labeled as non-canon that were written mm-hmm. about Boba Fett you know, climbing out of the Sarlacc pit in Tatooine and then, like, uh, basically turning his back on the Mandalorian Oath and everything else and becoming, like, what you saw there is, like, uh, amongst the people Tatooine, right? He just wanted to live his life and die because he realized the error of his ways. And then there's the other part of it is that, uh, you know, he did what he had to do to survive, and what he had to do to survive was, like, give up his armor. He gave up his armor, which means he could never wear it again. So... There's that part of maybe he was trained by Mandalorians after Jango Fett passed away. Yeah, it's hard. It's hard to tell. We don't know. We yeah. don't know. We yeah, don't but know. I have a feeling this this will probably cement the whole Boba Fett like legacy because that's what it seems like everybody wanted with the standalone movies, anyways. Uh, you know, when they came out and Disney said, "Hey, we purchased Star Wars. We're curious to hear about you know what stories you want us to tell. We want to hear your ideas." And everyone, of course, jokingly said Darth Vader, but everyone was like, that's four, five, and six, right? Mm-hmm. And then one, two, and three. That's all Darth Vader. And then, uh, er, then then, the next one was, well, we want to see Boba. They're like, great, great. Here's Han Solo. So we were like, <laughs> what the heck? You know? So now we realize that this is probably a better way to tell that story. And uh, I can't wait for um, all these other things to kind of tie in. The whole... Uh, the whole story, though, like you were saying before, Jason, the whole Shades of Grey and everything, I think that's going to play a lot into probably this next episode because you got to believe that he makes it to that planet, right, wherever this, uh, wherever he's trying to get to. So wondering if he's going to do the right thing, and we're wondering if there's another Mandalorian on this other planet. It's definitely not Boba Fett because they left Tatooine. Right. So who else could it have been? And I can only think of the the group of Mandalorians from the Clone Wars, um, I forgot what they were called. You remember Robert? Oh, the young kids, right? Who who formed the rebellion? No, it was the it was the prince. It was the queen's sister. Right. Remember yeah. That group that they belonged to. Yeah. They, it wasn't the Red Dawn or anything like that. It was called. No, no, Red Dawn was the the the, the gangster group. I don't remember they're called, but they were basically young rebels against the the, yeah. the Mando way. But they were Mandalorians. Yeah. I don't remember they were called either. But yeah, I remember the group with um, blue haired chick and Sabine. And yeah, Sabine, with yeah. Sabine and all of them. Sabine, yeah. Um, it might, oh, it could be Sabine. Be a, <gasps> yeah, it could be that. It could be. We'll see. Maybe. See, Jason, that's why you need to watch the last four <laughs> episodes of The Clone Wars, because that could be a movie. That was oh, all man. done by Dave Filoni before um, before the Mandalorian series started. He, writ- he wrote out the last four episodes of The Clone Wars, mm. and essentially you could draw straight parallels 
to the Mandalorian. Like yeah. the last scene itself speaks volumes mm-hmm. of what the what this is gonna be like. And I like uh, I like Timothy's character how he mentioned back like it all happened when the when the Death Star exploded the second one. <laughs> so I'm wondering why did he put such emphasis on saying the second one? Right? You gotta wonder about that. Like, what's the what is this world like now with the New Republic and everything else? Like, do they is that is that how they age themselves? It's kind of like saying World War One and World War Two. Is it kind of like that? You think? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it could be because something uh, weird about the Star Wars universe is they don't seem to have email. They don't seem to have a central source of news where they just stay up to date. <laughs> Darth Vader was Anakin Skywalker, and then here's the Skywalker kid, and nobody – they're completely thrown off uh, by there being a relationship. So really this should have just been stuff that was in the newspaper. So they, so, but, but something – I guess something that they do understand is there was one Death Star and then there was another one. So, so that appears to be like a really important um, time marker for them, time stamp. Yeah. Well, and to be fair too – all of the shows really – I mean for the most part, these shows and the movies to a large extent are out on these backwater planets that probably mm-hmm. don't – aren't connected. Like none of them are in the central core because they always talk about the central core planets. You know, mm-hmm. That's what uh, Kylo Ren blew up in the last in the mm-hmm. last series of movies. You know, He blew up those central planets. Those guys probably knew pretty much everything oh, yeah, except – right, except – Yeah, he blew up the New Republic. Yeah. Right, but again in that case, it was probably a lot of um, – whatchamacallit, uh, propaganda. Mm. Like, the news was there, but who controlled the news? Right, right. Mm-hmm. So, lots of misinformation going around. So, lots of misinformation. Also, you, you kind of think of it also, he said, when the when the second Death Star exploded, that's when all these guilds kind of like started taking over, and he said that there was the battle above Mos Eisley. So that got my head thinking. Maybe Boba was involved in that. You know what I mean? Mm. He used to have a ship. It was called Slave One. And we haven't seen it anywhere. Um, So maybe it could be one of those tie-ins where, like, we go back to Tatooine. And, I mean, it's it's inevitable, right? Like, Boba Fett hasn't forgotten to be the best bounty hunter in the galaxy. Like, that doesn't ever fade. It's kind of like the old Shogun who was, like, the great master you know the great sword master he doesn't forget how to use a sword just right. because he stopped right um so i'm thinking i'm thinking it's probably going to end up being like one of those moments of like last samurai thing where he imparts like some final wisdom on mando that's just me you know just kind of projecting out okay. you know um because what he, the people that he's surrounding himself with when you think about it um even the old uh bounty hunter guild boss is more like a friend now than right. an employer right and uh you know cara dune she's no longer a shock trooper she's more like you know the guardian angel so to speak like she's willing to like go into battle with him right so um the only thing i and, and the thing i remember in this last episode is that they mentioned the people that he brought to justice mm-hmm. weren't those the names of the guys that he um, sold out um, in that other episode, that same episode where they were. Yeah, the one where the, the X Wing fighters came into that ship. Bill yeah. Burr's episode. Yeah. yeah. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that episode changed a lot for Mando and made him a good good guy ish yeah. sort of kind. Gray. <laughs> a gray character, like Jason yeah. would say. He's neither good nor nor bad. He's kind of like he has to do he has to do horrible things to do a good thing. In other words, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, and um, I'm right now. I'm feeling like Boba is going to be maybe a big bad or a villain or something. They're just kind of keeping him in the background. And then it seemed like that shot of him was kind of um, almost like a warning, you know, like it seemed a little ominous. Yeah. A little ominous. So, but we'll see, cause it was very ambiguous. So he could just be like a, a guiding figure. And then I am hoping to have a team up at the end, like less, they already did it, but I, at the very least, I would like to see Timothy Oliphant again. But mm-hmm. since they, I guess they already did the team up last season. I don't know if they'll do it again, but I would personally, I would enjoy it. Yeah, unless this is like every Star Wars season two, and all hope is lost in the second season. <laughs> well, we also got to remember there's the moth out there with the dark saber, right? He's out there. Yeah, He's it's... looking for him. He's really the big bad, right? I right. thought it was the the Swedish filmmaker who I thought he should have he should have gotten an academy award for his performance. <laughs> I thought he was so believable. Like he should have won all the awards, right? Yeah. Um but like I thought he was the big bad. But then I found out, oh, it's Moff Gideon, right? Mm-hmm. Moff Gideon. Perfect guy to play him, too. I mean, that guy's been a villain in so many oh. things. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, he, he plays a great villain. What was the other oh, one yeah. that he was the villain in? Mm-hmm. I forgot the other show, but that's irrelevant. But, yeah, he plays it so straight. And you can tell, like, yeah, this is the bad guy. Like, he's willing to, like, his troops. And that's what the Stormtroopers even said, like, Remember the last time, like, somebody tried to interrupt him or give him bad news? Like, he ended up <laughs> wiping him. Like, I'm not giving him any news. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Well, this could go on for hours, and it's already gone on for hours. It's so much and so deep. We're obviously going to have to do this again when more episodes come out. Definitely want people to follow us, like us, love us on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, and all the rest. Jason, of course, always a pleasure having you come and talk to us about anything, really. It's always a good time. Um, we will leave you with the last word. What are your closing thoughts, and what else do you hope to see in the next episodes? Okay. Yes. The closing thoughts. I look forward to uh, – uh, and then I'll probably say her name wrong right now, but Ahsoka, Ahsoka Tano. Um, mm-hmm. Got I'm it. really looking forward to that. I have tried to watch a few of her episodes in the the cartoons. I haven't been able to like really get to know that character yet, but I know she's beloved. I know Rosario Dawson uh, loves that character. So then that's also um, uh, gives me more to look forward to because I know she'll take it very seriously. She'll do a very good portrayal. and then I wouldn't be able to tell the difference anyway, but I think I think she'll do a good job, and then I'll I'll appreciate that. Uh, so I'm looking forward to that. Um, man, I'm curious to see if Baby Yoda will age slightly. Um, he ages so slowly; he might the show could go on for ten years, and he might never age. But I am curious to see like, does he start saying words? Does he ever pilot a ship? 
does he, like, <laughs> like, like what what does what does he what does he ever like what developmental stages does he start to progress on um and then if bill burr came back i would love that if gina carano came back or um what's his name uh dang it, carl weathers if carl mm. weathers if we had all those characters back, uh, you got yourself a stew. If you uh, if you know Carl Weathers from Arrested <laughs> Development, uh, so I would I would love all that stuff. And it's just been a really good quality show where they do a good job of portraying the psychology of characters. They don't they don't at least so far they haven't rushed to like give you more and more and more. It's very contained storytelling, which I like. Just tell me one story with a cast of characters that you like and you get to know and they take their time doing it. Um, yeah. So I'm looking forward to all of that and just the good, good storytelling. And, and of course, Jason, as you always say, as I always say, insert tagline here. And Ernie, with every episode, you have to have a good line. And we know that Mando had a few, so we have to have one of our own. Peace out. Peace out, everybody. We all have spoken. (laughs) And that's another episode of Two Nerds and a Joke. Follow Robert and Ernie on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and subscribe to their YouTube channel. And that's another episode of Two Nerds and a Joke. Follow Robert and Ernie on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and subscribe to their YouTube channel.